This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 119 of the DCAU Review. I'm one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good brother, co-host, the man that runs our Twitter page, and my good friend, Liam. Welcome back to the DCAU Review. We are continuing here our month of Batman the Animated Series reviews, and we are, thank God, taking a break from the Creature Feature Month here, (laughs) as as we are not dealing with a supernatural creature, half-human, half-animal hybrid today. That's right, unless, as I said last week, unless you consider the greatest monster of all to be man himself, in which case, yes, this is still... This could still be part of Creature Feature Month, but <laughs> no, but yes, it is. A, it's certainly a change of pace. It's a completely different type of story than uh, anything we've covered in uh, in Batman recently, at least. And uh, yeah, it's it's a change of pace to say the least. Yeah, this one grounded certainly in a little bit more reality, I guess, as realistic as a search for an ancient fighting technique that can kill somebody with a simple touch could be. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, certainly a different story type here this week. And it's actually a sequel to the episode that we covered a few months back, that being Night of the Ninja. So we have the return of Kirai Ken. We have the return of uh, Yoru Sensei. We have Batman headed to Japan. It's it's an exciting episode with lots of different things, lots of interesting visuals that we will certainly cover in just a second. Liam, before we get into it, though, let's provide the audience with the official not the unofficial, the official <laughs> IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, which is, if we didn't mention, Day of the Samurai, which originally aired back on February 23rd, 1993. Liam, you were just a wee lad, just a few weeks old when this That's originally right. aired uh, back in 1993, putting us up here at uh, almost at 27 years ago. That's right, and as you mentioned, this is the synopsis for the episode Day of the Samurai, which was written by Steve Perry, not the guy from Journey, directed by <laughs> Bruce Tim. I think I made that joke last time, too. Uh, a lot That's of reasons on this episode. That's a good one. That's all right. Music, music by Carlos Rodriguez and animation by Blue Pencil. And that synopsis reads as such. Batman visits one of his teachers to help fight Kyodaiken who has learned the secret of a death touch attack. Well, I mean, so the only thing that I would disagree with is he hasn't learned it. He learns it. He like is in the process. Yeah. It's it's a little (laughs) bit of an, the official IMDB synopsis was a little inaccurate. Right. The the, the sequence of events is that the ninja, uh, as we mentioned, Kyodai Ken returning from night of the ninja uh, kidnaps uh, Yuro Sensei's prized student, this woman named Kairi, 
and uh, holds her for ransom, and he wants this location of this secret scroll that has this incredible, unbeatable secret martial arts uh, technique that he wants to learn. And uh, Yoro Sensei, who of course trained young Bruce Wayne as well as Kyodai Ken, calls on Bruce Wayne for help. I, it's kind of intimated, I guess, that he knows. He never just comes out and says, I know you're Batman, but I feel like that's the implication of a lot of their their conversations in the episode. Yeah, the dialogue leaves it sort of ambiguous as to whether or not he does or doesn't. There's a conversation at the end that seems to intimate, yeah, that it's sort of just Bruce has accepted it. It's sort of like he knows, but he doesn't acknowledge it, I guess, is kind of how, how he how he goes about things yeah so anyway yeah so bruce and alfred take a trip to japan and uh although batman and and bruce suggest turning over a fake map to to the ninja uh yuro sensei tells him that he can't because samurai are are honorable men they're not allowed to lie and deceive they must tell the truth and and if they agree to this deal to uh to turn over the map it has to be the real map and so, yeah, Kyodai Ken learns the, the secret death touch, and he decides, well, he wants to test it out on who else but Bruce Wayne, but Batman, the man who embarrassed him in their previous encounter. And so he kidnaps Alfred, and they have a big showdown on the edge of a volcano, because <laughs> where else would you want to have a final fight? Um I, I, I don't know. I don't know where you would want to have another in, in a boring dojo or something. Right. Yeah. In, yeah, a, no. in a warehouse like the first ninja. episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this was definitely it was definitely a, a much better environment. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. To, to, to wrap up the episode, Kyodai Ken does, in fact, learn the touch and use it correctly against Bruce Wayne or Batman. But Batman had a protective covering underneath his chest, and uh, he was able to avoid the, the the fatal blow. And he's able to, well, he doesn't even really defeat Kyodai Ken. Uh, they're they're fighting on this active volcano, and uh, they're they're standing on this platform that breaks in half. And Kyodai Ken is kind of surrounded by lava, and uh, Batman tries to save him, but instead Kyodai Ken throws the rope away and appears to die in an, an explosion and wave of lava but uh, who knows for sure i suppose well we'll 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 cover that a little in a little bit as we get into deeper into the episode as to the ultimate demise or potential demise of kyodai ken but i think the thing that wraps up this episode as we sort of mentioned before is that yoro sensei and bruce wayne are having a conversation at the end and there's something that the ninja sort of pokes at several times in their encounters in this episode, which I kind of looking at it would have been an interesting subplot and maybe maybe could have been played up a tad bit more. And that is uh, Kyodai Ken continually kind of, like I said, jabs at Batman to say that they are the same, that they are both ninjas. They are both creatures of the night. They are both dark uh you know, creatures and... Once again, you approach unseen, Dark One. You would have made a good ninja. I would prefer to be a samurai. But you are like me, a warrior of the night. So it would seem. 
Let us face each other in the open, man to man. Samurai do not hide behind masks. All right. Take your best shot. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah. It's sort of it's sort of looked at when you mentioned Bruce initially su- uh, suggests to Yoro Sensei to supply a fake map that Kyoto Ken would not know the difference, and Yoro Sensei admits it, but he says that a samurai cannot be deceitful, a samurai cannot lie. Uh, this is not th- these are not things that they are permitted to do so there's a little bit of this thread that goes throughout the episode is you know is is batman really any better than the ninja and there's this conversation between yoro sensei and bruce at the end where he confirms via the story that i guess bruce relays to him about the ultimate demise of kyodai ken which is bruce chose when in an obvious situation where kyodai ken could have he could have let him die. He could mm-hmm. have just let him, be, you know, succumb to the to the lava. He does make an attempt to save him by throwing a, a rope to him, and you know, he says, "Oh, well, if you grab the rope and I pull it at the same time, then we'll, you know, you'll be saved." Kyorakan, you know, declines, kicks the rope into the lava, and ultimately an explosion seems to to wipe him off the off the planet at that point. So Yorosensei points out that. In this way, Bruce was honorable in, in trying to save his adversary, and therefore uh, he says the line, Batman is the essence of samurai, which is, I thought was a, a great line there. So there's the, that little thread that goes throughout the episode, and, but it's ultimately laid to rest at the end with that conversation differentiating between Batman and the ninja. I'm sorry about Kyodai, Sensei. We all choose our own path, Wayne-san. He walked a dark trail. It was not your responsibility. If you see Batman, tell him I have great respect for him. Why? He's as much a ninja as Kyodai was. Not so. Batman offered to help his adversary. And the lesser man would have used the knowledge of the old memory touch against his opponent. Batman is the essence of Samurai, Wayne-san. You would do well to remember that. Domo arigato, sensei. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting, and I, I agree that it maybe would have been fun to introduce those elements a little earlier in the, in the episode. Um, but yeah, because there is that thing where Batman and the Ninja have this initial confrontation as you said when when batman is trying to get this this woman Kyrie back and he's turning over the map to him and 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 the ninja gets away so on one hand i think you could have played up like bruce feeling like well i'm not i use these underhanded tactics i use the shadows i wear a mask i am like a ninja but i'm not as good of a ninja as as this ninja is and so sort of he almost feels like a man without a without a country here and uh and instead, it's like I said, there's a little bit of that. And like you said, it's sort of played up at the end is when uh, when Kyodai Ken sort of spells it out and says, hey, we're the same. We wear masks. We, you know, we use the dark. We use the shadows. But uh, but in the end, yes, that's the, the sensei reminding him that, no, it's he fights for justice and he tries to save his enemies. And I <laughs> I do appreciate him trying to save Kyodai Ken if for no other reason than uh, I like 
like Batman Begins is one of my favorite superhero movies, but I've mm-hmm. always kind of disliked the ending when he mm-hmm. lets Liam Neeson die. Um, mm-hmm. Not just because we have the same name. Um, <laughs> just because that that felt like not Batman to me. Right. Um, because it's not enough for him to simply, because otherwise he could just like shove the Joker into traffic and look the other way while a bus hits him. Right. Like, right. It's not just that he doesn't personally land the final blow that kills the person. It's that he has such a value for, for human life that he will try to save even these enemies, this enemy that is attempted to kill him. That's attempted to, uh, you know, that kidnapped Alfred that, has caused such pain to one of his greatest teachers. And he still tries to save him at the end because he so deeply values human life. And I I do love that as just like, I think that's, that's a point that obviously I guess the, the Ben Affleck Batman is another version that doesn't seem to have as much issues with, with a, with a good old fashioned murder or two, but the, the, uh, this one, because of the way it was framed really made me think of the Christian Bale Batman of like, no, Batman even, you know, it's not just enough that he isn't the one pulling pulling a trigger. It's also that he's got to try to value and protect human life, even when it's his enemy who's caused him and his friends great pain. And I, I thought that was great. I just, I just feel like that's so quintessentially and, and important to the Batman character. That's a great point. Um, I, I Yeah, that's, that's tremendous that you we're able to see that as, as the Batman character that we grew up. Yeah. I think that's why those, those two points in movies have been maybe the most controversial moments of Batman movies in the last, you know, the Batman, the last several Batman movies is Batman doesn't kill. He's known for not killing people. So it's his one rule that, that, (laughs) that the Joker points out in, in the dark night. So yeah, that being sort of, uh, you know, ingrained in that character's dna is is important and certainly sets him apart from you know the punisher or whatever anti-hero of of most popular anti-hero you can think of mm-hmm. uh, would be um as far so we've been talking plot here for a couple minutes without like talking about it so uh, <laughs> i mean the other the other as far as the actual plot goes since it wasn't since that that thread of the difference between batman and the ninja is is sort of the 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 background i it's sort of in the background a little bit you know the, the main plot of this ninja finding an ancient ancient fighting style that can kill Batman with a touch, which growing up, Liam, this was something that one of our, I don't know, most watched, or maybe it was just, I, I don't know why this episode was so, I think we had it on tape, right? We must've had it on yes. tape. Yeah. I think so our, we, our grandfather might've taped this one for us. So we had, we had this one that we could go back to over and over again, but the, the fighting style, the, this mysterious fighting style that was banned because it was so dangerous and passed down. First of all, can we talk about if it was so dangerous and so bad, why would he not just, why would the original great, 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 great grandfather of Yoro Sensei just either burn the document or just not tell any of his grandchildren where, where it was hidden? Why did he write it down in the first place? <laughs> yeah, well, because the story had to happen, I guess. Right, uh, yeah. That's, that's the only way for this to happen. But so we, we learned that through a flashback that this this 
so dangerous fighting style uh, was passed down from generation to generation. It's going to die with Yoru Sensei also, which I thought was interesting. It's, all right, well, if if it just died with him, that would have been okay. But of course, the evil kid I can somehow knows about this. Did they did they even discuss how he found out that this fighting style existed? I don't think so. Um, it's just a widely known thing that it exists, and this this sensei is the great 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 grandson of him, uh, of the guy that discovered it, and only he knows where it is. It's just like common knowledge in Japan. You think? I guess, like, yeah, I guess it's like if you're a, if you're a history buff, or I don't know, maybe he tells the story to his students as as they're training. Um, heart. Hard to say, obviously, as we know, he, Kyurai Ken and, and Bruce Wayne were both his students. And so, yeah, maybe he heard of it or he told the story to his his uh, his students when when he's when he's teaching them to sort of instruct them of the dangers of violence. I don't I, I don't know. But, yeah, we don't I don't think we get an official like explanation. Uh, just we get exposition. And it seems our, our villain has already caught up to what our heroes are learning by that point. I did like the flashback and the way that Bruce told the story as opposed to there just being an expositional dialogue, but there was an actual story told where he was telling Alfred about what this fighting style was and why it was so dangerous and what the ninja's motivations were for the episode. I did appreciate that as a different way of storytelling. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely refreshing and we'll get into some more of that probably in visuals, but, uh, yeah, I, I liked that. I, I appreciate it again. We talked about this a, a little bit ago, I think. I can't remember exactly which episode, but I like a smart villain, and I like the idea that he fought Batman in the in like the beginning of Night of the Ninja, and then at the end of that episode, he fights Bruce Wayne, and so he sort of, via their fighting styles, figures out that, that Batman is Bruce Wayne. I thought that was kind of a clever way other than you know having him literally have to unmask him of of, of figuring out through a fighting style that that Batman and Bruce Wayne must be the same man. I thought that was clever. Yeah, I I I think that was something that was sort of left ambiguous at the end of that at the end of that last ninja episode for them to sort of tie up that loose end of oh, well, yeah, this guy's not an idiot and he clearly fought Bruce Wayne one-on-one and was bested by him. So yeah, he put two and two together and figures this out. But uh, I I think overall, as we get into our scores here, as far as the plot is concerned, I really love this episode. I love the base. I mean, it's not a complicated plot. You know, mm-hmm. villain has a super secret way of, of defeating and killing Batman, and Batman doesn't know quite how to prepare for it because he's he's kind of in the dark about the way in which he can be killed. So he kind of just has to use his brain to figure it out. And I guess the way that he figures it out, ultimately, he, he goes to Kyodai Ken's dojo to investigate and finds a practice dummy and just runs his hand over it and happens to find a spot that had been hit over and over and over again, which is how he knows how to how to wear a, a shield uh, over his, his sternum, which, Liam, when we were growing up, that would have been probably a good defense mechanism <laughs> for you for the amount of times that I hit you in the sternum with, with the, uh, with, with the uh, fatal blow there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I can still feel it sometimes. Uh, it's it's 
Yes, as as most brothers do, there's always you know there's always going to be some roughhousing and play fighting and uh, sometimes real fighting. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yes, you 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 uh, mastered this technique. And although you didn't kill me with it, you uh, I tell you what, you just jabbed your little brother in the chest over and over again as hard as you can. You know, see if he doesn't cry once in a while. <laughs> uh, it's a great it, it's a great maneuver to just walk up and do to somebody like. <laughs> not oh, yeah. a stranger but like a buddy or something like that instead of like punching him in the arm just walk up and do the double finger poke to the middle of the sternum and just see they're like oh like Ow. it's just yeah it hurts yeah, it really does uh so yeah that was that that episode as, as we mentioned we watched it a lot because we had it on a on videotape and then yes also uh, due to our our own playing with uh with uh and and play fighting this was a this episode certainly lived in uh, in infamy in our household because of that. Yeah, so I, I do like <laughs> this. I, I like the way that the the episode wraps up with the uh, I'm sure it's it's I'm not a uh, old Japanese film movie buff, but I, I knowing Bruce Tim and the imagery that was used in sort some of the in the original episode and then in the follow up episode, this is sort of a uh, storytelling technique from old Japanese samurai films. So them fighting on the edge of a volcano and with a, well, I mean, really any sort of final ending battle. I mean, let's be honest, Star Wars episode three completely ripped off this, this fight <laughs> for their, for the climax of, of revenge of the Sith, but that's right. Uh, Good. I can uh, didn't shout. I hate you before he died, unfortunately, but it's uh, true. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely some similarities there. Imagine if he had come back wearing like a, a Darth Vader samurai armor. If that he was like been... robot, if he was like yeah. robot ninja, yeah, that that sounds awesome. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> anyway, I'm sad that never happened. I, all all seriousness, uh, I I love this episode. I, I could watch this episode over and over and over again. Watching it here, you know, today and, and watching it back brought back all those great nostalgic feelings that you get from from the great episodes this one is near and dear to my heart i think it's a great way to wrap up the the you know it's a it's a two-parter that's split up across a couple episodes which i love it's not just a straight back-to-back two-parter ties up Mm -hmm. some loose ends you get to know a little bit more about bruce wayne you get to know learn a little bit more about batman and uh i for that reason i had to give this episode a perfect 10 out of 10 for plot I, I also like this episode quite a bit, not as much as you did. Don't think this is quite a big enough disparity for the disagreement alarm, but I, I went seven out of 10. So I, I liked it. I think it's pretty darn good. And I like, like I said, I like that exploration of of Batman and his value of, of human life. But uh, yeah, seven out of 10 for me. So still very good. Still really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, you, uh, I, I, I appreciate the, the way you've laid it out for why you gave it a higher score though. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to our next category, which is going to probably be our longest category of the day, visuals and animation. We always have a lot of stuff to discuss in this era area. And now you mentioned, I believe it was Blue Pen Animation was the company that did this, and they only did one other episode, which we talked about in the archives at DCAUreview.com, that being, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Which, if I recall, we had some things to say about the animation on that episode. <laughs> Yeah, so it has some of the same problems as that episode, which is that it's almost the reverse of what you would usually complain about with animation. 
which is why, like, say, when we reviewed the, those uh, Acom or uh, production episodes and everything's so stiff and rigid, uh, this 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 style is like it's almost like too too squishy. Like, <laughs> the char- the, they very much just like I mean, there's a lot of weird scaling issues where like people are changing sizes and really inconsistent inconsistent like head shapes and like how far apart people's eyes are. And a few of the like Bruce, like there's like probably 18 different Bruce Wayne faces in this one episode, and none of them are particularly like on model for what you would imagine Bruce Wayne looks like in Batman the Animated Series. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's just it's just it's just it's consistently inconsistent as uh, as Yogi Berra might say. And uh, yeah, it's it's not all bad. There is some cool stuff, but the inconsistency is really what stood out to me. Yeah, um, so there. <laughs> I'm glad that we we very early on, I think when we switched over to reviewing some of the Superman episodes and recognized that we we're not going to be able to sort of grade everything on the same curve when it comes to animation because of the differing animation styles between series. We decided we were going to do not only just animation, but we were also going to do visuals. So to me, the visuals of this episode really save the episode as a whole. Um, if you recall, definitely during If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich, we talked about some of the weird inconsistencies and off-model nature and and certainly some of the, the issues that you just mentioned. Uh, Bruce Wayne makes a lot – he has a lot of screen time in this episode, and I don't think there's a consistent Bruce Wayne face throughout the entire thing. Uh, every scene, he looks to be <laughs> like sort of a pseudo-different character. Uh, so th- that is a little bit frustrating a, a little bit irritating uh, there were some other inconsistencies where there's a scene where bruce goes out uh, to to first interact with yoro sensei and he asks him about getting batman involved and bruce is out there and and there's a cut to Bruce's face and then there's a a wide shot that cuts they're overlooking sort of the city and there's a lightning strike. And then all of a sudden Bruce goes from just wearing a suit to wearing a raincoat on top of his suit. Like the the (laughs) lightning flash brought a raincoat out of the sky perfectly on his body. I, 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 just out of nowhere. Uh, there's <laughs> there's another scene where the the young young girl who was kidnapped, Kyrie, she's speaking to she goes to Bruce to ask him if he thinks that Batman will get involved, and her shirt changes colors in the middle of the of the scene. Mm, yeah. uh, stuff like that, stuff that we've we've pointed out before, are even on our top pick episode one of our top picks of all time that being heart of ice these inconsistencies in animation can just drag you sort of out of the episode a little bit and go like ah come on guys like get how did that happen like how did how'd you color her shirt differently or how did the batman symbol get flipped or you know whatever so things like that are always always stand out uh, with that said like I said, changing it from just the animation to the visuals of this episode, my goodness, I think there are there are just an extraordinary amount of visuals that in this episode uh, that go along that make this episode just very difficult to grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, so one thing that I know uh, 
you uh, specifically brought up on our, our first Ninja episode, Night of the Ninja, was how flat the Ninja design felt because he's just it was just all like jet black. There was no highlight color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this time they did actually add a, a highlight color. And absolutely, that helped. Like it definitely makes that Ninja design as simple as it still is. It's just a, you know, a black bodysuit and a black mask with a red belt. Uh, but it's so much more striking with that that extra detail added in. Yeah, and the funny thing is, there's actually a part in one of the scenes where his highlights suddenly disappear, and then they come back yeah. in the very next scene. That was when they're where Batman and him are battling on the rooftop. There's it's a brief like maybe seven second scene or something like that, but he suddenly loses his highlight, and you could you could see the difference. It's like this character doesn't pop off of the screen. He doesn't have he doesn't have that pop and it's like i can almost see why they didn't do it in that first episode in that the highlight themselves them the highlights themselves were a little bit inconsistent from scene to scene and just Mm -hmm. as much motion as the character has and remember this is all this is pre-digital animation all hand drawn so consistently keeping those lines the same you know thickness and the same color and the same yes you know, as the character is moving must have been incredibly frustrating with that said i thought it made the character pop off of the screen much better in this this episode than in the prior episode uh liam i do want to point out just for a second we uh i don't know how much we've talked about it in our 117 episodes or you know we've covered 50 some Batman the animated series episodes but shout out to Eric Radomski for his technique of drawing the backgrounds for these iconic episodes there are so many backgrounds in this episode that I thought were just stunning you know from from the volcano to the scene where Kyodai Ken goes to the cave and has to find you know he's he's looking for the the scroll with the with the fighting technique on it to mm-hmm. the different scenes as they're fighting in downtown Japan and it's it's just visually the backgrounds his technique uh, of of using dark paper and draw, to to draw on just made each and every one of these scenes pop so well man i there was just i couldn't write them all down i couldn't get them all written down at how many scenes just looked great because of the backgrounds absolutely yeah i love and we talked about this obviously it's a it's a non-traditional locale and they did a really good job of making it you know they're in they're in japan so like the city yeah there's still large buildings but they don't look exactly the same as you know a major american city or fictional american city like gotham would look so like they did a really good job of completely changed yeah the architecture of the buildings when when batman is chasing the ninja through the city and then yeah the, obviously the uh, everything with the volcano and the fight at the end there's a there's an incredible shot which again feels very much taken from a, a lot of a lot of martial arts movies where it's just the, the background is the you know the volcano and the and the lava is spewing out as the, as the volcano erupts and it's, uh, the the two men are sort of just completely in shadow as they're fighting. It's it's incredible work, but yeah, especially the backgrounds. I think that's that's a great point, and definitely something we don't we don't talk about probably nearly enough uh, as as we should is uh, yeah the tremendous work and and obviously Eric Radomski, one of the you know co-creators of the show, was kind of the guy spearheading those. And my yeah my goodness, there's a lot of great locations, and then yeah combining that with some of the the, the way shadow, shadows are, are used in this episode is is really well done. There's a lot of cool shots of Batman uh, you know, completely covered in shadow and uh, as he's sort of investigating both in uh, 
when he kind of gets to the cave after Kyodai Ken has already left. And then again, when he's sort of investigating Kyodai Ken's dojo after he traces the call there. So yeah, there's a lot of really stunning imagery, even within, even if some of the mechanical, mechanical things, the fight scenes themselves were a little uneven due to some scaling issues, but yeah, there's still some just absolutely striking visuals to be found here. No doubt. Yeah, you mentioned the silhouette in the final battle. Actually, that's the first thing that we see when the the episode opens up is the silhouette of of Kyrie fighting in in the dojo, and it's just the window, and you see her silhouette fight fighting as she's practicing. Uh, and then the very next cut is to her practicing in front of this giant samurai armor, and you see the reflection, her reflection in the samurai armor, which I thought was just, it blew me away because it's not just one sort of mirrored image. There's six or seven different individual reflections of her fighting in front of the samurai armor that could have just as easily been left a flat painting, but they went the painstakingly difficult time of, you know, creating mirror images from six or seven different angles of this girl that's practicing uh, in, in the dojo. I thought that that was just another one that was like, man, that's, that's really great. Uh, which is why, again, why it was so hard for me to score this, this <laughs> episode, because there are a lot of things that stood out as great, but we already talked about the inconsistencies. Um, one of the other things I did like, and I would love your opinion on, uh, so halfway through the final battle between Batman and uh, Kyodai Ken, the volcano, of course, starts to erupt, and it goes from your typical coloration to more of a sepia tone that sort of takes over the rest of the battle. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, I, re- I remember that being... I remember that from when when we watched it as kids, but I I don't remember it creating as much impact as I did from this watching. What did you think of the sepia tone? Yeah, that's that, I thought that was really clever, and again, it just it gives you that feel of the of the old martial arts movies that uh, I think inspired a lot of the plot, as we've talked about. And um, yeah, I think that was that was a great technique of uh, of just of again, it's it's one of those it's subtle enough that it's not. It's not so overbearing of a filter and colors that it's distracting, but it just adds a little bit. And yet when everything kind of has that that reddish brownish hue as the, as the lava is erupting behind them again, it's just uh, it, it was really clever. And I remember they used some of those sepia tones in the flashbacks in the Night of the Ninja episode. So mm-hmm. to see it sort of brought back here at the end for you know, what is apparently Bruce, Bruce and Kyodai Ken's final confrontation after they after they used it uh, used a similar technique for their their first confrontations when we see them training as young men i think that's there's kind of a, a nice little visual like uh storybook ending there where you you, okay. you, know, you kind of end as you begin that's mm-hmm. a really clever little visual way to do that yeah i had forgotten about them using that in that first episode so that's a great pull yeah that's a that's a great bookend of their their story from their introduction uh to the their ultimate ending uh, the only the only other note that I, well I had a couple other notes that were written here. Uh, one of them was, was we got to talk about Alfred's kimono. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. He's all right. He's, he's I I guess those are I don't know if they're bats or if they're birds, but I would like to think that they're bats. And I, I hope so. I was just like I need to get a a an Alfred Batman kimono. Like that's. <laughs> That's something I need in my life right now. Amazing. Um, Absolutely amazing. <laughs> uh, so that I think that the battle between Batman, well, all 
all of the fights between Batman and Kyodai Ken are done so well. There's several times where the, the camera sort of pans around them, not a full 360, maybe like a, a 90 or a 180 sort of pan around them in a very, you know, uh, cinematic style that I, I thought looked very, very interesting and, and was great and added sort of tension to the fight. Um, I think that the the fight on the rooftop was awesome, especially the ultimate ch- Batman ends up chasing uh, Kyodai as he takes possession of the map. And in, in order to escape, Kyodai uses his blade to slice through a billboard that ultimately prevents Batman from pursuing him further. Uh, always loved that as a kid. Like, I don't know why, but but an, I guess a sword slicing through a giant metal pole and knocking down a billboard I thought was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was cool. I liked I liked the end of that scene as Batman is sort of standing there upset that he's let the ninja get away. He just I don't know why it made me laugh, but uh, he so he's just standing there like kind of looking the rest of it, and he just puts his hands on his hips in like a <laughs> uncharacteristically sassy way, and it just made me laugh. Uh, the cape, cape looked great. The cape was flowing, so I guess. Uh, we get a little, we get some pretty good hashtag cape movement in this episode as well. Especially, I think when he's, when Batman has jumped, when uh, uh, Ken kicks Kyrie off the building, and Batman has to dive down after her and then catches her. Uh, it's actually probably the best, the best like animation of the whole episode is that little sequence Agreed. where he dives down after her, shoots off the grappling hook. They show the grappling hook, you know, uh, attaching. We you see them swinging. He hits a. They show like a close-up of his hand where he hits a button to detach the the uh, the first grappling hook, and they kind of crash onto this balcony. And then Batman tells her to stay put, and then swings off after the ninja. Like it's really, really well done, and it's all like it's all shot very well. It's uh, obviously Bruce Tim was the director, so the action is is framed very well throughout this episode. And uh, yeah, I think. But as far as the animation itself, I think that sequence was the the best other than maybe those final few shots and with the lava behind it so yeah it's 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 definitely a hard category to uh to rate because again (laughs) it's some of the characters are so off model like alfred's face is just kind of weird like just doesn't look like the shape it usually is for really any of the episode to me and as we've already talked about bruce wayne who has a lot of face time in this episode is very inconsistent so for all those reasons, I, I settled on a six out of ten for uh, for visuals and animation this week. Okay, uh, not too far off from that. Uh, I I went a little bit stronger just because I really enjoyed the visuals this episode. I went an eight out of ten. Um, uh-huh. Again, I don't think it's enough for the for the disagreement alarm, but <laughs> I went a, I, you know I went a little bit stronger, and uh, I did want to mention. So there are two. Easter eggs slash connections for this episode. You mentioned Kyrie, so she's the young lady who gets kidnapped at the beginning. She actually does come back in a later episode. She comes back in Batman Beyond uh, later on in in one of the episodes uh, that we'll discuss in the future. Uh, So it'll be nice to nice to connect those two worlds. But uh, there was one one sort of like uh, you know name shout out. You know a lot of times they'll name certain streets after certain writers or or what have you. But uh, Batman, thankfully, thank God, Batman brought his phone tracing machine with him to Japan. <laughs> he just happened to have it and hooked it up to the phone so that he could trace the, the location of Kyodai Ken. Well, it's uh, when- pre-9-11, so you could just bring, like, un- you know, as much technology <laughs> and, as you wanted on a plane and nobody batted an eye at you. 
There you go. Plus, we got to imagine he chartered his own plane. Oh, he had yeah, a, I'm sure. He had, a, he had a private plane or something. But regardless, the fact that Batman brought his tracing machine and had it hooked up at the time, just in case, is pretty pretty great. But he traces it, and it comes up as an address of Tezuka, a, uh, a Tezuka Street. So that would have... Uh, uh, doing our research before we, we opened uh, the program here, that's uh, named after probably Osamu Tezuka, who is known as the godfather of manga or the god of mag- manga, actually, and uh, most famously created Astro Boy. So Ooh. fun fun fact to share with your friends and neighbors there. So, um, yeah. So uh, lots lots of interesting. Again, it was, it was a hard category. I, I wish I could have given it a higher score because there's a lot of great visuals in this week but it's yeah the inconsistencies and we thankfully don't have another episode where this animation company did more <laughs> animation so we never have to worry about seeing bruce wayne's face sh- change shape mid mid episode again all right liam let's move on to our next category which is going to be music and i think we talked about this in the very first episode but there is a very japanese inspired music as we hear uh, a lot of flutes i believe like uh, music it's the very first thing that you hear that comes in as the title card displays and plays throughout the entire episode very very um asian inspired and very very reminiscent of martial arts movies as we already talked about which is kind of what bruce tim was going for with this episode i i really liked the music a lot i still wish that there was a a more consistent ninja theme like oh yeah like if they had just given him his own like japanese theme that stuck out with a sort of repeating maybe a repeating tune um i think it would have made the music a little bit more memorable with that said though it's clearly a very unique soundtrack we don't get another soundtrack that's similar to this because of the characters because of the place where where it takes place uh this episode has its very own unique soundtrack i mean coupled with with night of the ninja but i i think it's great and i it really sets the tone for the episode as a whole yeah i i like the music a lot as you mentioned there's, there's yeah there's a lot of flute and uh a lot of uh i believe it is referred to as the, the shamisen the shamisen i might be mispronouncing that it's a it's a like a you know kind of kind of like a mandolin or a guitar but uh mm-hmm. you know, it has origins in, in japanese culture uh, a lot of that use a lot of a lot of those types of strings used uh really well there is kind of a refrain in that first episode that's repeated quite a bit uh in night of the ninja and i was ex- kind of expecting that to be brought back here to be the ninja's theme but they they chose not to go that way and to instead sort of just stick with your more traditional, uh, you know, for the for the for the action scenes, you have your more tr- traditional orchestral sounds, and as we mentioned, for most of the scenes in the dojos and certainly in the flashback, you have a lot of uh, more like uh, yeah, a lot of more uh, Japanese-inspired music, which is still quite good. It's still uh, it's still quite striking, and uh, I do say I I love this one bit, and it's it's so simple, but as just after Kyoto Ken has. Uh, apparently used the Onumari touch and, and killed Batman when uh, Batman stands back up and taps him on the shoulder and says, uh, you know, where do you think you're going or whatever, and just as he turns around and Kyoraken has this shocked look on his face, 
and we get just a few notes of, of Shirley Walker's Batman theme. It's it's just so perfect as he as he lands the punch there. Like it's that that they were all, all of the composers who worked on the show were just so good at knowing when to use that 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 Batman theme. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a comma, sometimes it's a period, and here it was like a nice great exclamation point. And uh, yeah, I uh, I quite enjoyed the music uh, a lot in this episode. I actually gave it an eight out of ten. Nice. Uh, I gave it the same exact score. I gave an eight out of ten. And yeah, I think I think the funny thing is you mentioned that part where he grabs Kyodai Ken by the shoulder to turn him around after he's he thinks Batman is dead, and that leads into a, a scene I didn't get to talk about in visuals, but the music I thought accompanied very well, where we get the bat slap, where Batman just <laughs> Batman just goes into full Batman mode, just keeps def- he all of a sudden he's just deflecting everything Kyodai Ken's throwing at him, and actually slaps him in the face like two or three times, like. <laughs> bam, bam, bam! It's, yes. it's really, it's a great, great visual, and it's punctuated by by the soundtrack very well. Um, yeah, I, I think that this episode is unique. Like we talked, like I mentioned, it's unique enough where it stands out. It's very, very strong. Maybe that refrain from the first episode that you mentioned, which I had forgotten about actually, but now that you we mentioned it, I definitely recall it. Uh, if they had brought that back, maybe that would have would have you know taking it a little bit higher to a perfect score with that said it's still very very strong and it's you know helps this episode and this series of episodes stand out uh as as an individual yeah there's yeah there's a very good uh i, I always like to mention percussion but i can but really good use of symbols and and even some bells at certain points they yeah they got really creative with uh with some of the music and again it doesn't doesn't come off as hey we're we're using like stereotypical music. And I think that's, that's sort of a, and we'll get to this actually in voice acting in a minute too. But I think something between this episode and the previous one uh, is that there was, there was no, this was not in any way meant to be like a play on stereotypes or in any way, like a mockery of Japanese culture. And sometimes when we have a cartoon from this era or certainly earlier eras where, where they go to a foreign land, a lot of, uh, Excuse me, I'm sorry. Sorry. A lot of those, uh, a lot of those stereotypes tend to be in play, and 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 they avoided that, and still still used music that's appropriate for for the subject matter, but without sort of it coming off as in any way as like a parody or or like they were they were making fun. You can tell that the people who uh, made the made these cartoons had just so much respect for that for that culture, especially when it comes to their to their films and and animation. So. Yeah, I thought that really stood out in the music as well. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. You're right. They it's very much treated with respect and honor and and dealt with, which was as you mentioned, wasn't always the case. So, uh, <laughs> more kudos to to a great series. All right, Liam, that will bring us to our final category of the day, which is going to be, of course, voice acting. We don't have a large cast. We do have a couple of returning members and a, a new cast member, a, a recasting of a character I know from this week's episode. Let's talk about our voice cast. Yeah, so we have uh, Julia Kaito or Kato as Kyrie, um, who would probably be best known as one of the voices on Rugrats, uh, which was not one of the cartoons... Uh, that we regularly watched as kids, but obviously it would be impossible to not like know what Rugrats is if you were alive during that right. era. So yeah, uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. She's done a little bit of voice work here and that she doesn't have a lot to do, but I, I think she's, she's solid in, in what they ask of her. Um, 
Uh, we have, as you mentioned, we have a recast of uh, Sensei Yoro here. Um, uh, Go Misawa is the is the voice this time, and he, other than than Kevin Conroy and maybe Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., like he's probably got the most heavy lifting to do in this episode as far as actually moving the plot and sort of supplying the the uh, the emotion and and explaining why why what's going on is important and then as as we mentioned he has that that scene at the end with Bruce where he's telling uh you know telling Bruce why why Batman fits the role of a samurai so well and I think he's he's really really good. Yeah, he does have have a lot of dialogue as I mentioned. I think that final that final conversation between him and Bruce, well, b- both of the conversations between him and Bruce. Obviously, you have just the fantastic acting of Kevin Conroy that we'll discuss in just a second, but yeah, that's that's no easy task though. We've seen people that are that are sort of uh, outshined by Kevin Conroy or, you know, that Kevin Conroy has to carry the majority of it or but I mm-hmm. feel like he, he kind of, you know, he he kind of holds his own in the conversations there and is able to to carry that especially that final dialogue where he's playing more of a father figure or you know he's playing the role of mentor to Bruce and he has to has to sort of inspire him and and like I said differentiate him between him and killed I can and yeah he he has a lot and I I think he does a great job I think he He's a he's a fine casting. He doesn't have to show much emotion, but the character itself doesn't seem to also show much emotion because he's this sort of peaceful warrior type that's sort of just, you know, he's he's kind of at the same level all the time. So I think that he it's a great performance. Agreed. Uh, Yeah. and And that sort of rounds out our cast with, of course, good. I can himself that being Robert Ito, who, uh, as we mentioned last time, I believe he was on Star Trek: The Next Generation, as uh, as well as a million other roles and voice actors, and he's great because again, and we as you may have noticed based on the names that we've given, as we've been talking about, uh, they actually cast three you know Asian American people to play these Japanese characters, which again, not always the case, even even as recently as 2020, uh, you know, you don't always have the person uh, playing a role uh, be the same uh, race that they of the character that they're playing, and uh, so I thought that was that was interesting that they actually did go out of their way to hire uh, you know Japanese people to play Japanese roles, and uh, I think Robert E does great in this episode. He's so he's just so like slimy and antagonistic. I love I love right at the start of the episode when he's uh, confronting Kyrie and they have their fight. He's just dripping with. He's so confident and so evil, and it, it, but it doesn't ever cross over into that like Saturday morning Skeletor evil. He's just he's just such a jerk, and he loves being he loves being evil. Alfred, Alfred, <laughs> no rich man, but I have him. <laughs> yourself or your alter ego it is all the same to me yoru will tell you where yeah he's he's got a sinister way about him i like that's the word that that came to mind like listening to his performance he's just sinister like he's 
He's going to defeat Batman. And he has a, I mean, he has a huge motivation as they talk about early in this episode that he, he got sent home with his tail between his legs, defeated by Bruce, like by Batman. Mm -hmm. So he has, he has revenge that he's seeking. The whole plot is driven by his, him seeking revenge to defeat Bruce who embarrassed him as he came to America. So now they're on his home turf. He has more confidence than ever, despite, being bested the last time and -hmm. he feels like he has the upper edge and he he's so confident he's so cocky he's so just sinister in the way that he delivers all his lines Uh, it's i mean the fact that he also speaks japanese clearly because he's able to communicate in japanese there's subtitles in some of the scenes here i I appreciated Mm -hmm. that too also the the fact that they went to lengths not only to have asian americans that were able to do it but people that spoke Japanese so that in yes. situations where characters wouldn't be speaking English, they went ahead and let them speak Japanese to one another, which I thought was awesome. So yeah, okay. he's, he's, he's really, really great. And it's, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking that he didn't make another appearance because of his performance alone. Like he's, yeah. he's just great. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, yeah, for, for all those reasons, I, uh, I gave voice acting actually a perfect 10 out of 10. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, we would be remiss not to mention Ephraim Zemblis Jr. Also, his performance is Alfred. I think you mentioned it. Uh, he's He and Bruce have a lot of one-on-one dialogue. And there's, you know, obviously there's, the, the part where Bruce is sort of giving him the the tale of how this ancient fighting style was was discovered and there's conversation between the two of them on the on, coming down the volcano after the battle is finished and it's it's there's there's also another scene where where Bruce refers to him as his old friend you know old friend mm-hmm. um, just it, just another dynamic between the two of them. Um, some great back and forth. Alfred is less quippy in this episode and more a part of the investigation and, and, and an asset to Batman than just sort of, I mean, we appreciate the snarkiness of, of Alfred, <laughs> but to have an episode where he, that character itself is, is more of just, he's the ally there for Bruce. He's there as a sounding board for Bruce. He's there to, to learn as Bruce goes along. And then at the end to discover and, and recognize Bruce's brilliance and figuring out, you know, the detective side and how he was able to figure out what uh, Kyoto Ken's strategy was going to be. Really good interaction between the two of them. Uh, for all of those reasons, for all of the great acting that was voice acting from this week, uh, I also gave it a perfect 10 out of 10. Yeah, I, I loved especially that last bit between uh, Mr. Ito and, and, and Kevin Conroy that where again, where uh, Kodakin's kind of taunting Batman, telling him you're a ninja, you're like me, and 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 Bruce and Batman very defiantly saying, no, I, I, I prefer to be a samurai, and I prefer to, I prefer to yeah. fight on the side of justice. I think that's really good. And then, as we've talked about quite a few times already, that that final scene between uh, between uh, Yuno Sensei and Bruce, I think is just so good. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So our regulars, as we said, we don't have a lot of them this week. It's just Kevin Conroy and Ephraim Zemblis Jr. But they both do a great job. And then our our, our small but very talented uh, guest cast just really uh, really brought it this week. So great stuff. Absolutely. So that will bring us to our whoa. Oh. Haven't heard that. Haven't heard that sound effect in a while. <laughs> 
that would be our bonus point sound, Liam. And uh, that would mean that I have a bonus point for this week's episode. And so I'm going to give a bonus point for this because this is a rare, very rare feat to have been accomplished based across all, all of the DCAU properties that we've discussed. And so as you'll hear on our upcoming bonus episode where we cover Batman and the Adventures Continue, um, there's been a lot of discussion about you know different characters. And I, you can certainly hear our discussion on our last episode, uh, bonus episode, where we covered Batman and the Adventures Continue about sort of offshoot continuity and supplemental continuity of comic books. And, of course, there's been multiple series and different iterations of of Batman th- across Batman in the animated series to the new Batman adventures and other appearances. But my mm-hmm. extra point this week is for the fact that across all of the DCAU media, they have never once attempted to bring back Kyodai Ken. His death in this episode, which, uh, you know, I read some comments from Bruce Tim. He wanted it to be much more overt the, the death, but of course censors wouldn't allow it. So they kind of <laughs> left it a, a slightly ambiguous but in his mind the death for Kyodai Ken was final he's gone he's dead and as we know that typically in comics doesn't happen a character dies <laughs> and there's always some sort of magical way that he's brought back but god bless him in the entire all the different writers all the different people that have have been writing you know ancillary offshoot continuity some partial continuity stuff they have never once brought back what i can there is so there's an issue of bat the batman adventures volume one batman adventures volume one number 24 where they actually involve what i can's sister she comes back hmm. to, to enact revenge or to seek revenge against batman in gotham city and uh from the creators there i, I read a little little fun tidbit that there had actually been an episode planned that was never brought to fruition uh at least the framework of an episode that involved by ken's sister a a sibling coming back to exact revenge on bruce but was never fleshed out so they took that idea and made it into this issue but yeah my extra point is the character's dead and has never been brought back now (laughs) that, that could change in the next three issues of batman the adventures continue who knows but as of this recording kyodai ken is dead 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 and that is not something that you get to see or the experience very often so for that reason i gave it an extra bonus point that's that's a really fascinating point because to your point i mean there's multiple episodes where there's sort of an ambiguous joker demise uh throughout this series or certainly in the comics over the years and course he always comes back but yeah there's something sort of uh i think cathartic and satisfying about this just being like this small little two two episode arc we learned more about who batman or who bruce wayne was before he become before he became batman and then we see that that past come back to haunt him a little bit and then he you know he fights through that and he fights kyodai ken twice and their final battle, which was, as I mean, they talk about in the episode, this was meant to be the climax. That's why Kyodaiken wanted to fight on an active volcano. He says it, ninjas are not afraid of death. Uh, and so he chooses that battleground, and it is ultimately his demise. And yeah, as, to their credit, even though I'm sure they could have come up with some interesting ideas, and of course, as they say, there's you never find a body, so... You could uh, you could always make up a reason. It is comic books after all, or cartoons after all. But yeah, to their credit, uh, 
they allowed this to be this sort of standalone little two-part story, and and that is that. Yeah, something very rare in the comics. <laughs> So kudos, kudos to the creators of all the DCAU continuity and uh, supplemental continuity. But, but uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, I will mention, so as of this recording, uh, so we did just learn that, uh, unfortunately, the DC Universe app is likely coming to an end in the not-too-distant future, Uh which was long thought of. And unfortunately, you know, the main, the main story, even more sad, a lot of, a lot of DC employees lost their jobs. A lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of people in a, in a, I mean, it's never a good time to lose jobs, but certainly during a pandemic, that's the absolute worst time to, to be given a pink slip. So, um, you know, our, our hearts go out to those that have lost their jobs. Our hope is that they find, find jobs quickly because there's been a lot of talented people that, we know and probably a lot more names we don't know that are suddenly find themselves without a job. Not only that, but of course, uh, DC Direct also announcing this week that they were shuttering, um, which was just absolutely shocking and saddening just for so many great creators that have brought, you know, joy to, to our lives personally with, you know, their creations and think about the, the amount of different action figures and statues and, uh, everything else that DC Direct was was responsible for for the last 22 years uh, coming to an end, and uh, while of, of course it's disappointing that you know maybe we won't get the next series of Batman: The Adventures Continue figures, more more disappointing and more upsetting is the fact that so many people uh, you know have lost their jobs. So our hope our hope is for those people that are in the, those positions. Uh, find their way back, uh, you know, on their, onto their feet in the not too distant future. Cause there's a lot of talented people and we have no doubt that they will, uh, they'll, they'll find jobs there. But, uh, in the meantime, if you are interested in reading, reading that Batman, the adventures, uh, issue number 24, I would go do it soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and hopefully there, even after maybe this version of it is over, there's still, a place with a giant DC comics digital library, because I think that's such a valuable resource beyond the cartoons or any of the shows or any of that stuff. That's all great. But to me, I think the best part of this DC universe app is the ability uh, rather than maybe having to dig out, even if it's comics I've read before uh, trying to maybe dig up and see if I have a copy or uh, being able to just boot up that app and, and pull up an issue, or if there's a certain panel I'm looking for, it's, it's a really valuable tool, and it's a it's a shame. Obviously, again, that's any any sort of pain or sadness caused to any of us fans is is obviously very very secondary to uh, the immediate pain and frustration and uh, of of all of these people, all these talented folks losing their jobs. Um, and yeah, it's a, a sad part of uh, you know being owned by such a giant media conglomerate as downsizing tends to happen. And uh, it obviously in this case could not have happened at a, at a worse time than, uh, than during a, a you know, countrywide worldwide pandemic. So yeah, heart hearts and, uh, and uh, best wishes and prayers and all that go out to, uh, to everybody who is, uh, has lost a job this week. Uh, but especially those in uh, those within that were helping make that, that DC universe app and DC direct and all that stuff. Uh, so great so yeah uh, hats off to them and then hopefully everyone will be able to land on their feet or or, or find something find something soon uh, uh, of uh, of equal importance to be working on 
Absolutely. Well, Liam, I don't think there's a good way to segue from that, but (laughs) that will bring us to our final scores for this week's episode. Totaling everything up, uh, I, with my bonus point, I have the latest addition to our top pick section with a score of 37 out of 40. Wow. Yeah, and I'm uh, just a little bit underneath that. Actually, this is actually a decent-sized score disparity now that I look at it. But, uh, yeah, I have a final score of 31 out of 40. So, uh, again, I think we both enjoyed it. But, uh, yeah, sometimes one of us just likes it a little bit more. And, uh, hey, that puts it into the top picks category. And, uh, like I said, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there as far as when we – we jump into rewatchability here. Like I said, I think it's great because it, it worked so well and it's such an emphatic period on the sentence uh, of the story of Batman versus the ninja here. That's just, again, this two little two episode arc. I love it. And I, I definitely think this is a thumbs up for, for rewatchability. A hundred percent. I think based on the fact that the last episode I don't know where we landed on rewatchability. It's not, obviously it's not it long-term in the DCAU. We did mention there's a, there's a somewhat connection from one of the characters in this episode to a Batman beyond episode, but it, you know, grand scheme of things, it, it's not a long lasting impact, but it does give you some insight into Batman. It's a fun Batman story. It, this episode in particular, because it's the culmination of that original story, it's, it's written so well. Obviously, I loved this episode. That's how it ends up in our top pick section. So I'd say, yes, it's a rewatch. Definitely give it. I think it works better if you give the episodes some breathing room, if they're not right back to back, because it makes it feel a little bit more of a, of a culmination. It's like, oh, yeah, you, you think back to that episode. You remember it as opposed to it being a straight two parter. You know, you give gives you time to kind of settle in remember back and then we recall some of the things that came up in that first episode as we did uh obviously it's been months since we watched that that last episode or the mm-hmm. you know the, the night of the ninja but if you're watching it you know in order and you know you're going over a couple of weeks or something like that just watch it in the production order give it a couple of weeks in between uh the episodes and, and let it breathe a little bit but yeah i, I think it's definitely a thumbs up for your watchability and uh just it's a it's a fun episode agreed Oh, right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and checking us out. As we mentioned, don't forget, uh, check out the feed upcoming soon. You will not want to miss it. Dropping shortly, and by shortly, probably within the next couple days, will be the latest bonus episode, which covers the latest two digital first issues of Batman The Adventures Continue. Lots of great stuff happening there. Lots of interesting stuff. If you haven't checked out the comics yet go check out the comics you could they're a dollar for each digital issue obviously money is an all-time like importance and a premium these days not a lot of people with expendable income but if you have 10 bucks that you would normally go see a movie or you know that you would drop on starbucks or something trust me i think that you're gonna it's money well spent if you can afford to invest in these comics liam absolutely and yeah if you're if you like you said there's a the 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 less expensive way to uh to buy them digitally it's 99 cents for you know each chapter two chapters make up an issue so it's two dollars for an issue if you buy it digitally you know, if you want to spend a little bit more on the paper copy, hey, you can maybe support a, a local comic store, bookstore in your area, and 
and help a, help a small business out. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you can, obviously, again, we, we totally understand if not, but definitely recommend what, especially when it comes to sort of big important tentpole moments that we'll be talking about. I'm sure we'll be talking about that in great detail in our bonus episode, but uh, it's, I think it's important to read the stories firsthand before you decide uh, what you think about it or what you would have done differently. So I definitely recommend it if you can. Uh, yeah, go, uh, go give, go, go give those comics a read and uh, come back for our, for our next bonus episode and uh, come back next week as we'll be uh, reviewing where re- creature feature month resumes uh, oh, next boy. week with uh with the episode terror in the skies so we'll have a regular episode next saturday and then uh yeah before that though we'll have our bonus episode coming so be on the lookout for both of those absolutely uh also we like to celebrate liam we not only have surpassed a thousand followers on instagram we've just recently surpassed a thousand followers on twitter which is super exciting thank you guys for listening this is your first time or if you haven't gotten a chance yet we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts that helps us out a lot that gives you know people that are checking us out an idea behind it it also works with their algorithm to kind of get more people to listen to the program which is our ultimate goal here is to get more people to listen we also i would be remiss not to mention the launch of our dcau review podcast store that's right if you ever wanted a a hat with liam's face on it (laughs) you can get it now that's right you can just check out <laughs> I I've always wanted a hat with my face on it. So, uh, you can check out our shop. It's actually you can go to dcaureview.com. One of the links at the top there, you're going to see shop. You click on that, it'll take you to our store. If you want to support us in a small way, we we're not making a lot of money off of the products themselves, but that's not the goal. It's just something cool to to have. So, if that's something you want to do, we love that. And for the first uh, for the next 10 days or so, there's a sale that's happening. They give you 15% off of your first order. So you get that. Basically, it ends up you get free shipping on anything that you buy, basically. So I definitely take advantage of that. Thank you for checking that out. Don't forget, also, we have stickers. You can always check us out with that. We're doing a lot of shilling today, Liam. I, I wanted right. to shill. Uh, <laughs> don't forget that. Also, follow us on our social media if you haven't done so already, at DCAU Review. Liam is over there on Twitter. He controls that. He's talking about things all day, every day. We're both on our Instagram, doing our Flashback Fridays, posting clips from upcoming episodes. Cannot wait. We might as well go ahead and announce, Liam, that uh, we are five Saturdays here in the month of August. So that means that our fifth week for this month, we will actually be doing a Batman Elseworlds month. Uh, So we're going to have some options and the ability to help us choose which episode we'll be covering uh, the final week of August. And that will be on our Twitter. So head on over to Twitter and check that out in the next couple of days so we can get that uh, get that choice uh, whatever episode you want to hear us talk about, you're going to have some interesting choices this month. But uh, anything a else? Wide variety. Yes, definitely a <laughs> wide variety of choices uh, for our for our fifth week of August, uh, what we'll be covering. And uh, you'll have a chance to uh, control control our destiny on that. And uh, yeah, look at, looking forward to that. And you can come back next week and hear, uh, hear who the winner of that poll was and what we'll be reviewing. And like I said, we have our... Our bonus episode coming probably in the beginning of next week as well. So uh, lots of stuff coming. So stay tuned and be sure to follow us on the social media so you don't miss it. Well, until next time, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. 
and we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Adios. <laughs>